1: Pass the mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother?
0: Hey Amen. It's hot.
1: Bruh, you listen, this is the drawback <laughs> of the South. Like, and, and I know it's hot at other places. You know, I had some guy tell me, Oh, it's just as hot in West Virginia or uh-huh. whatever. Listen, let me tell you something. The humidity yes. in the South, it really comes back to get you in the in July, in yes. the summer months. And I, I'm sorry, we're gonna date the podcast. If you listen in two years later, we're recording this in <laughs> July. Peak summer, Not and July, it's crazy. July. Baby. Yes. July. That's how you say That's it in how the South. July. And it's hot. You step outside. I mean, I went outside to clear out our car in the uh-uh. garage. Yeah. Came back in, and I'm soaked. Yes. Yes. And I was like, "What did you do?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I just sat outside. Like, I don't, I don't, I just put some stuff in in the guest room. That's it." I'm and in it's the just south like, in the crazy. summer.
0: No, that's all. That's all the explanation. I'm telling you, it's 90 degrees by like 10 a.m. and it stays yeah. up there to like seven or eight. there's no cool part of the day, you know? So anyway, you know, I'm in a perpetual state of sweating.
1: And here's the thing. Yes, you do do know this, but the South is also really dope in the summer because there's so many different activities and opportunities for you to connect to your heritage, to your culture, and just have fun. Even if it's not connected to anything related to Black history or Black culture, it's just cool. And so one of the things that you could do if you're in the South, if you, let's say, I don't know, in the Atlanta, Georgia area-ish, I mean, maybe you could meet up with us on Friday, July 27th at oh, 7 o'clock.
0: Word,
1: and, word. you know, hang with the Pastor Mike crew, hang with the Witness crew at Pastor Mike Live, the tour stop. I mean, that sounds like a good deal, right? I love that idea.
0: Let's definitely get together Friday, July 27th at 7 p.m. in Atlanta. Look, specific location to be announced. Pay attention to social media feeds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, as well as the website, TheWitnessBCC.com for more details.
1: Yeah. So I really love the Pastor Mike live tour because it gives us an opportunity to have some real raw conversations, even off mic. On mic, it's amazing. Off mic, it's also really dope as well. Yeah, And so we want to invite everybody to come out, bring your friends. even. And this is the thing, even if you don't have people, we have had people show up who are atheist, don't know anything about the Lord, um, who have no connection to the church, who just thought, okay, well, somebody invited them or they came along. Definitely. And they ended up really enjoying themselves. And it's a great introduction. Into kind of how does the church think about issues of culture? How does the church think about um, current issues as it relates to to America and as it relates to even deeper themes as well? You never know what we're going to talk about. Last last time it was Kanye that <laughs> ruffled some feathers. We talked about Ta-Nehisi Coats one time. You never know you what never we don't say.
0: You never know. This is a great opportunity to be a witness. You know, just very easy. Hey, come hang with me at this event. You know, chill out and then have a conversation afterwards. We would love for you to bring all kinds of friends, whether they go to your church, whether they don't go to church, neighbors, co-workers, invite them out and just come hang with us. We would love to meet you.
1: And you can get your tickets at dot com. .com. Okay, so I've known Jamar for about six years now. Um, I've known him really well for about four years and we talk frequently, I mean, multiple times every single week. We're always texting each other. We're always sending each other dumb screenshots, <laughs> memes. I, I think we're friends, okay? I, I think we're friends. I think we're brothers. I think there's a, that, that's what I thought, okay? I, I got to tell you, recently, Jamar comes. did something that truly shocked me. What and I got to confront you in front of all the witnesses. What'd I, I got to confront you. You did something that shocked me. And here's the thing. You didn't tell me it was coming. You didn't warn me. You didn't prepare me. All the times we talk, I had to go to Instagram to find out that Jamar cut his hair. Now, listen, <laughs> bro. And this is the thing. Not only did you cut your hair, not only did you not tell me you were cutting your hair, but then you revealed, you did a secret level up and then revealed it on my birthday, June 13th. <laughs> on my 30th birthday, I scrolled through Instagram it's my day. And then you're trying to steal the shine. Nah. You look in there with your little, nah, you got your glasses. You got that look on your face. <laughs> like, yo, I, I'm, I don't know what it is. The pro, the professorial look. I, I don't know. Like
0: It's like, does this look good? I hope so. Cross fingers look. Yes. Yeah, yes. Man
1: what's, man, what's good? Why you cut your hair, bro?
0: Bruh, well, well, if you don't know, and if you look at like my profile pic and whatnot, I had the mini fro going on. I had the sponge action, you know. Uh, natural hair all the way. And then I just was thinking like it's summertime is hot. Like we were just saying, plus, I mean, it's a lot of work and I just wanted to see, you know, it'd been a while, it'd been like two years since I had cut my hair real, real low. So I said, let me, let me, let me, let me go on ahead and do this and see what it looks like. And here I am still, still with it. So don't be surprised if you see me again and it's like, what happened to your hair? It just, it's just one of those things.
1: So, you know, here at The Witness, we like to talk about a lot of different things, and a lot of people know us for what we talk about as it relates to justice, but church, the church's role in justice, racial justice, um, economic justice, educational justice, just justice, justice, justice. That's how y'all know us. Race, race, race. That's how y'all know us. We also want to talk about things related to culture as well, and there is no more important place outside of maybe a couple of other centers which we'll get into, but there's no other center of culture that is more important than the barbershop. Barber Look, shop. man, the barbershop is important, right? Man. Like, here, here's the thing. So, I was thinking about it like, where do we congregate in our community? And I've been thinking a lot about that because not that Starbucks. drives so much. It ain't Starbucks, no, we don't. <laughs> but I, I mean, I like coffee, but it's just not Starbucks. That's just not what we're doing. There are two places outside of the barbershop that I know we really connect and kind of gather in the black community. The first place is the home. So there's there's a, a strong familial tone. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people just think, ah, oh, y'all don't care about your families. I don't know where that came from. But family is everything. As you talk about Sunday dinners, you talk about family reunions, any sort of connectivity and community within people of our own blood is really important to us. Now, number two is the church. hmm the church is really important, even if you if you say I'm not a Christian, even if you say I don't believe in the Lord, the church still has this deep connectivity because it's often the place where you'll have programs, parties, um, special events as it relates to graduation and education, Easter services, which are huge. I mean that's a trip, special events, anything. I mean the church is really that center. But if you're talking about outside of the home, and you're talking about outside of the church, the place where you can kind of let your hair down. It's the barbershop. Yes, it's the beauty salon. Yes. And so we're not going to talk about the beauty salon because we just ain't got room that's, to talk about the beauty salon. We don't know what's going on that's right, there.
0: That's right. So that's where look, the ladies go, so they don't have to deal with
1: us. Listen, Truce Table is at the beauty shop. Okay, <laughs> Allie and them at the beauty shop. We, I'm just saying, just us right here. We we don't know. So we just gonna talk about what we know. And Jamar, you, you have a dedicated barbershop, right? You have a place where you go.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Always the same, right? Barbershop loyalty is one of the biggest things. I mean, it's like it's like a marriage. It really is. Uh, un, unwritten, unspoken, but you can't step out on your barber. You can't just hop to, to one barber or another. You go, and there'll be empty chairs. There'll be another barter, barber ready and waiting, and you're like, no, nah, I'm going to wait for my guy. And that's just how it
1: is. So- growing up, did you have a regular barbershop?
0: You know what? Uh, We did. We did. And it was an interesting spot because it was north of Chicago, a good ways. But we would have a lot of athletes, professional basketball players and football players who came to this particular barbershop because the barbers were so good. And I remember one time I saw uh, Alonzo Spellman, who if you go back what? far enough in chi- in chicago bears history he was a player on there this man was huge he the the barber had the chair all the way down to the floor and this man's <laughs> legs were still sticking out a good two or three feet he couldn't barely fit wow. in the chair just getting his hair cut just chilling you know and that was a regular occurrence
1: man that's crazy so i grew up and from about my sixth grade year all the way to, man, really like two or three years ago, I went to the same barbershop. Wow. So it's crazy because- you Grew up there. Exactly. so they got to know you. They know what's going on in your life. I mean, think about all the things that we went through. Like, um, I was just thinking, actually, the guy who cut my hair the day before my wedding, um, he actually passed away recently. And it was unexpected. He was a young guy. Um, actually, I think- He might have been like maybe two or three years older than me, but not that much older. And he unexpectedly passed away. But I remember what happened when I came in. My regular barber wasn't there. And he was out for the whole week. And I was like, yo, Uh like I'm getting married tomorrow. Uh (laughs) See, see, so this is like a family barbershop. (laughs) Exactly. So this is like a family barbershop. So you call in to see who's there. And, you know, it's not like appointments, which I get into in a little bit, you know, it's not 2018 at the time. And so it's kind of laid back. And so you just come in, you get in where you fit in, but you have your regular barbers. And so I called in and then um, this barber G, he was like, man, yo, come, come on through. I got you. I got you. So anyway, so he hooked me up and then I remember when I went to pay him, I was like, yo, thank you so much. And he was like, nah, man, it's your special day. Like, I'm not going to charge you, man. Like, yo, that was just like, and you think about it, they saw me graduate from from high school. They saw me when I left for college. They saw me when I came back. They saw me when I got married. And it's like, you grow up there and it's also a center of cultural conversation, which you got to talk about the cultural conversation, Jamal.
0: Man, that's what it is. I mean, you know what? like the first thing i think of when i go to the barber is what's on tv like they always have a tv Bruh. and it's and it's
1: always sketch too it is. it's always super <laughs> sketch it's always like borderline you know exactly where you like, oh. like
0: looking around and like there are kids in here i'm not sure that that this should be on this station um yo
1: let me let, yo i got to <laughs> i got to tell y'all this story so we used to, it was a time where we would bounce around from barbershops. Like before we found that one barbershop, it's family barbershop, that it was just kind of the best of both worlds. So we bounced around to different barbershops. And then um, there was one place where we went and the dude put on Friday, bro. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, my wife, she talks about me. She laughs at me. She makes fun of me. I have not seen Friday. Okay, I've not Wait, watched Friday. Like all as the way we through. speak,
0: you have not seen it.
1: As we speak, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I know. Pull my card. Wow. It's cool. It's cool. First, I know y'all. It's, look, man, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Saying, it's cool. You yeah, yeah, able talk yeah, about yeah. y'all talking about me. But here's the thing there's plenty of culture outside of Friday. I get it. I get it. So he's playing Friday, but he's playing the unedited version of Friday.
0: Oh, man, right? that's
1: so that's, it's like the first. 10, 15 minutes, and I'm like, "Bruh!" Like, you know, I was a kid. I was like fourth fifth grade, <laughs> and and my dad just kept every cuss word. My dad would like wince. He was like, oh, "You yeah, know," oh, it yeah. started getting intense, and he was like, "Yo, yo, Clyde, let me meet you outside, man. Like, yo, let me holler at you real quick." And so they wow. step outside. I'm like, "Oh man!" Called them into like, the pastor's office. My kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, yo, I can't have my kids like listening to this, man. Come on. So he he changes it. But what's so funny about it is. He didn't put it on the game. He didn't put it on, like, a regular movie. This dude went in the back and grabbed the Jesus movie, the oh. white Jesus movie. <laughs> he went Bruh, all, all the way to the, the opposite. Bruh. And my dad was like, yo, I didn't say you had to put on the Jesus movie. Like, I'm just saying I can't have MFs. Like, my kid, you're like, I mean, come on, like. Yo, and so you never know what's going to be on television when you go to the the church. Yes. wow Bruh, that was crazy and so he actually he had actually gone to our church at some it was a long story that's crazy. <laughs> this dude pulled out the white jesus i was like bro how do we go from that to that but like, it's like it's not every
0: element though is is a is, is a piece of the culture and it tells a story right like most of the times i go in and it's on sports center or something but occasionally a movie'll be on that's kind of you know borderline but it's probably the tv version at least but i always notice it and i always notice when i go to other places what's on tv because I ain't never been in a barbershop and Fox News was on. So, I mean, that's just a difference.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo. There's, yo. Should I say this, bro? <laughs> y'all getting y'all get me real chill right now. So, there's this place, man. There's this coffee shop, bro. It's Christian on. And they always be playing Fox I'm, News, bro. Like, this. I'm like, bro, why y'all playing Fox News? Like, I ain't saying you got to... I'm not saying you got to play any news station, but I'm just saying Fox, bro. Like, yo, they playing it faithfully, man. Yeah, like, yeah, dedicated, and, and I don't never, I don't never see that in a barbershop. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, exactly. But then, but then, there's always the conversation going on. It's rare when I walk in and everybody's just quiet and focused on whatever they're doing. Now it's a little bit more because we got all these screens. I've noticed that that's a bit different, and it has a little bit impact on that's the true. culture. But honestly, the conversation is usually interesting and colorful enough that people will will at least look up from their phones and we talk about everything man, anything
1: it can be a little sketch too like one of the things one of the things in a barbershop that i think is really difficult is sometimes just on a serious note like sometimes it could be super misogynistic like sometimes Uh, yeah like misogyny is just like wild in there so you just got to be like bro are you serious like this is what we talking about you know and it's toxic because you got kids around or whatever. Absorbing it. But yeah, another thing that's dope about it, though, on the flip side, is that you get to connect with people and you get to start talking about things that you wouldn't normally talking about. Um, what you, what you wouldn't normally be talking about with people who you've never met before. No, no doubt. And so there's this one time, man, where at the family barbershop we were at, um, I had just started a TV show, a local TV show and so i've been i hosted that tv show for about five years and it would play every saturday and it just so happened that i was on when it was um when well, i was it was on when i came into the barbershop which was crazy because like people didn't huh. make the connection automatically that it was me on the television
0: <laughs> they have a which
1: was really dope because i had a hat on and i was kind of blending in not all the barbers knew but and eventually people knew but I, I I got to kind of sit back and see because it was like a talk show, so I got to see what they thought for wow. real about the faith themes that I was I was putting out there. And I would like ask people questions and stuff, and they they weren't connecting yet that it was <laughs> me on the television, which was so dope to me because I was like, man, like these people are having an honest conversation Unfiltered, about faith, yes, and they're able to say, yo, that's whack, or and, and you know, the barbershop, they don't care about your feelings, uh-uh. like they just really do not care about your feelings, like they like whatever, and so they're like, yo, this was whack this was dope when you said this or whatever. And I was like, yo, that's actually, yo, you can't do that in many other places. And a barbershop while you're kind of interacting and getting, yeah, I don't know, man, it's kind of a relaxing environment too. When you get your haircut, that's less like a relaxing you know, thing, activity. That was just really dope to me. And so it just, it sums up the places where we can talk about culture for real are really limited and you're not going to hear us talk about what's going on in the world in a lot of other places, but you will hear us be fully unfiltered for better or for Definitely worse unfiltered. in that barbershop. Yes,
0: yes. And it's really interesting, the, the, the faith conversations that come up, because for some reason, I think there's just something about the barbershop that lets people let their guard down and be honest in a way that they wouldn't. So like uh, a lot of guys who don't go to church. If they know you're in the ministry, whether you're a musician, a pastor, a deacon, whatever, Bruh, they watching, They yeah. are watching you and they are watching what they say and everything like that. So it actually took me a while because I was heavily, I moved away and I came back, but, but I had been heavily involved in the church in terms of a leadership role. So for a while at the barbershop that I go to now you know, people would remember me and they're like, are, are you a minister now? Are you a preacher? And I could tell they were asking because they were trying to gauge how much they had to hold back, <laughs> you know, how much they had right, to watch their right. language and the topics and everything. And like, I appreciate that. Like on one level that demonstrates a continued respect for the church and definitely for the office of pastor that like they, they, they realize this is a person of God and and that, you know, should, should sort of, require something of them in terms of right. holiness. Now you can take that way too far and I think a lot of people do. But I didn't want that. I just I was like, no, I mean Yeah, you know,
1: like I want you to be you, yes, you know, yes, just yes. be who you are, you know. So
0: so once we got past that, then we could have really good conversations and it's it's very humbling because you see, you know, we we've talked before on the mic about like where are all the men in the church, especially young black men? Yeah, and exactly. you know, you get their honest opinion because they know Pastor X Y Z. They know they've been running around with multiple women who are not their wives. They know them from high school, and that this is all just an act. Or they've been through some things, like they've they've been in s- certain situations, and they feel like they yeah. they are just not like church worthy, or people are going to look at them funny right. if they come back. And it's great, man, because at least then you get the honest truth and you can respond with the gospel and be like, look, man, come as uh, you are. And uh, the church yeah. ain't perfect because people aren't perfect, but God is perfect. And at least it's some some really good conversations.
1: And, and I think, you know, there's a time for, for challenge and there's a time for debate and there's a time to just be like, no, nah, that's not what it says. But then there's also a time to actually patiently steer people and i think that's one of the things you can do in a barbershop is you don't necessarily have to go at somebody who's saying something that's unbiblical yeah, or what have nah. you. but you can say no nah. i mean you know it's just i would say it's, it's different than what you think it is there's context to some of these things exactly you know i gotta admit it's different now for me because i go to i go to a dominican barbershop
0: oh. and
1: so yeah so yeah it's a totally different vibe and it's really interesting and going to it at first i didn't really know how to be because it's it's pretty much it's similar but it's way more kind of upscale in the way that they present themselves they're just regular dudes but it's upscale in the way that they present themselves and kind of some of the stuff that's around so it's a lot of appointments you know and i got my dedicated barber now that sounds
0: like your style yes
1: nah, nah. like i mean it's <laughs> not even it's not even that like you know me i'm just i just kind of flow but I was like, well, you know, it does make things easier. But even then, like people for a while, they didn't know I was a pastor. And so my barber who goes to our church, he's actually a white guy named Chad, um, which I know would shock (laughs) you. You're like, what? For real? But he's incredible. A white guy named Chad. Yes. Goes to our church and uh, he had a barbecue. And so we all were over there and I was over there with, you know, a whole bunch of the other guys. And so he invited me over because he was like, man, I want you to just rub shoulders with them. And and talk with them. And so he just told him, he's like, Yo, you know Tyler's a pastor. And they start talking to each other in like in Spanish. They were like, yo, a pastor. Like he's a he's a pastor. I was like, yeah, like they were like, yo, we we had no idea. And they were like, yo, we've been cussing around you and all this. I'm like, man, I just, you know, I just been having conversations That's with right. you. I don't, you know. And so it's a different vibe, it's a different environment. But I think everyone can identify with the fact that when you go in and you ask for something different than what you've ever done before, or you ask to make a drastic change, that's like a big moment. So what was it like when you, when you sat in the chair, you were like, yo, cut it off, man. Like, what was that like, Like, man? Like it, it,
0: it was, it was sort of, I was already anxious about it. Right. Like I wasn't quite sure. And then I went to my barber and I'm like, cut it down. Give me bald fade. And he's like, no, you, you're not going to cut off.
1: Nah, I'm not
0: like, the ball no. fade. I would have said that too. No <laughs> ball fade, bro I was like, don't do that. Cause I'm already nervous about this, this change. And I don't know how it's going to look. And then here's my barber telling me he likes it long or he
1: doesn't want to see it short again. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Uh, I don't know, bro That's the worst feeling. Cause in the pit of your stomach, <laughs> you like, yo, I'm about to take a huge L.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now I, 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 I was semi okay. K, because honestly i've been on a hair journey from not caring to caring especially around high school you got to care hey how do i love you my, my friends gonna make fun of me what's that
1: not caring me. hold up hold up hold up wait 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 you said not caring about your hair in
0: middle school i mean like fifth, sixth grade. okay i was because <laughs> i look back at some no, of my but... childhood pictures i'm like what how did i would never let my son get away with that i would i can't i don't know how my parents let me have hair like that but it is what it is it was it was it was back in the day it was the 80s
1: yo i'm, I'm curious though like you you talk a little bit about your your journey and i kind of went through a journey too you know the first time i actually went to that family barbershop they gave me high and tight bro they gave me the box of course man. they did so I had to- Box cut, fam. So I had a a mini fro at the time. You know, my my daddy's got a fro. So I had a mini fro at the time, man. And I was like, yo, just to shape this up. He's like, oh, okay, I got you. I got you. And so his first time cutting my hair. And that joint, there, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> was high and tight, bro. I was like, you no, y'all yeah, was looking like the, the kid, kid in play, exactly, man. The kid in play. I was like, oh, you can walk no, into a barbershop
0: bruh. to this day and say the kid in play, and I mean, the, barbershop, the barber, will look at you crazy because it's 2018, but they'll know exactly what you're talking about. That box, yeah, exactly. Head. No, I can never,
1: exactly. Do and so. And so anyway, you were talking about your your journey, and I would love to hear like what's different now. Like how what what was the change point? Because it's clear that most men, black men, care a lot about their hair. And we'll talk about why in a minute. But you know, what changed for you? What was that moment where you were like, man, I really care about this more than I did before?
0: So for a long time I cut my own hair. It was either completely bald or it was all the same length and I could do it because it, it was quick. I mean, let's 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 be honest, when you go to the barbershop, that is a commitment. That is a time commitment. That's your whole morning or your whole afternoon or whatever.
1: So hour 45 at minimum, least. hour, least, hour 45 minimum bring a
0: book or something. Um and so I was just like, for efficiency, let me do let me do my own hair. And and it worked out well all through high school, all through college and into my first years as a professional, I was an educator. And then I got to seminary. And it's actually after I graduated from seminary. And this is right around about 2015, where the presidential election of 2016 is starting to gear up. They're having the primaries, there's a lot going on in the news in terms of police-related killings of unarmed Black people, so the, the, the sort of justice conversation among Christians is is heating up. And I had just been expressing my honest opinion from my perspective as a Black man in America who's also a Christian and getting a lot of pushback. And, and so it was in the midst of that that I was just kind of reconsidering everything about what I thought was true in terms of American Christianity, including my appearance. And I realized Hmm. that a lot of the way I carried myself, a lot of the ways that I spoke, and even the way I cut my hair deep down, it was partially to minimize any difference in the presence of white people.
1: Wow! So Hmm. so
0: I wouldn't get pushback or or that I would assimilate into the dominant white culture. Now, I wasn't thinking this consciously, but I was like, well, why would I not consider wearing my hair longer and in a more natural cut. And as I interrogated that, I'm like, "Well, it would look quote unquote unprofessional." And I'm like, "Unprofessional mm-hmm. to who? And why? Right. There, there are white men who have hair two, three inches long, and it's still considered right. professional. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if my hair is two, three inches long, why is that not considered professional? Or acceptable? why is that nappy? Yes. You know, like
1: why is that? Yeah, and I tell
0: you, there was a moment. So this is when I was an interim principal in Jackson, Mississippi, and we had fifth and sixth graders. And I would shake hands with students every morning as they came in off the buses or, or walking to school. And I would see my young boys; these these young men, and they had natural hair. It was longer. They were using the sponge, and it was it was it was clear. They spent a lot of time on it, and it just looked good. And I'm like, man, I wish <laughs> I had that. And I was like, wait a minute. I can't have that. Like, there's no reason. And if somebody tries to say something to me, like, let them. Because they're wrong. Mm. Not, It's not me wrong for wanting to accept my hair and all its kinkiness and curliness. So it was really, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, boys who inspired me to, like, be wow. more confident in my own skin. So, you know, man. little children can teach you.
1: Man, that's crazy, and especially the fact that you know, you know, kids be spending tons of time on their outer appearance. You yeah. know, they be working on yes. it. You know, from the shoes and the and the you know first week outfits back to school yep. and the hair and the accessories. Yo, that's nuts. Now, I am just gonna be honest. I am gonna put it out there for the people. I heard you've been brushing, Brad. <laughs> I heard you've been brushing. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means, but if you were a kid. You know that the thing to have back in the day was waves. Waves
0: only. was where it like, was
1: Waves, at? bro. So you had guys, they were brushing, 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 brushing. And that was all they would do. And so all you needed was water, a brush, a real good hard brush, and a do rag. <laughs> now, this was before YouTube, and I know do rags have this hood connotation, whatever. But do rags were basically to seal in, lay your waves down. And so I heard you've been brushing, man, which brings great joy to my heart. Because <laughs> yeah, that's from you, as bro. an aspiring waver, I, I, I want to hear like, what's what's this now that you're doing with your head?
0: Well, I don't want to hype it up too much because when people see me at PTM Live, they're gonna be like, "He ain't got no waves." But look, I'm just <laughs> at the It's the a beginning. process. It's a process, a process. Multiple weeks, multiple months, and honestly, I got inspired by you. So this is just before I was about to cut my hair, and we were at PTM Live in New York City, our last stop. And you you had the whole wave culture going on. I'm like, what is this dude doing, this grown man wearing a do-rag in public and all this stuff? But I was <laughs> with, like, dress, with dress shirts. With no. dress shirts. He had like two or three of them you brought out. It was like color-coordinated. I'm like, this man is really into it. But then you took the do-rag off, and I saw the waves. I was like, I got you. I got you. And I was like, okay, well, nah. look. If I'm gonna do it, I gotta do it. So let me be like Tyler.
1: Man, yo, that's crazy. Because it was hilarious. I you know, my ways were frizzing up because I was sweating so much walking around <laughs> in New York. But man, it's it's hilarious. So I decided to cut my hair down, I think it was in like March or April, somewhere around there, and cut my hair and um my barber was like, "Yo," and again, white barber named Chad. I know it's crazy. My <laughs> Shout barber out to was Chad. like, "Yo," he was like, "Yo, you can get waves, like for real." I was, I was like, "Man, yo, yeah, I think I can." He's like, "Yeah, but you know what to do already." Like he wasn't patronizing; he was just like, "Yo, I'm, I'm sure you already know what to do." I'm like, <laughs> "Bruh, no, like my silence. waves were all accidental. Like in in high school, like when I had waves, when I cut my hair down, it was just all accident. Like it was just it was just naturally wavy a little bit, but it wasn't like consistent. It wasn't deep." And so he's like, yo, go look up this YouTube channel. Go look up this YouTube channel. And I see there's a whole wave culture. It's like a movement. And there's different types of waivers. Yes. Everything. Like, so there's this dude. He now plays for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. His name is Lance Stevenson. And last year he played for the Indiana Pacers. And he's got people like, ah, his waves lean to the side. And I'm like, nah, those are 720s. (laughs) Like, so there's, yo, like it's a thing. Like there's 360s. There's five forties and there's seven twenties. Like, and so if you're going for like a total head wave, I was like, nah, fam. Like, I was able to tell people, nah, those are seven twenties, man. Those are hot. Like, See? yo, you got to actually yes. work different to do it. And I, and it was like, yo, people didn't understand the culture. They didn't understand that there was time that was put into it. They didn't understand that there was a regimen. They didn't understand. I mean, it sounds silly, but every night just. Brushing while you're watching TV or while I'm talking to my wife, which annoys the mess out of her. Exactly. She's like, like, you you know, it's just a whole game. Yeah, yeah. So so you got multiple brushes now. You got the little, you be washing sometimes, got the little do rag. I mean, what's that been like for you? Because it seems like, and maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seems like the more you, understand and speak out about your blackness, the more you start to care about culturally black things, (laughs) you know, like has that been the case for you? It it has. And not, I hope
0: in, in like a vanity kind of way, but more so like I, I have the freedom to do this now. Whereas before I felt constrained, like I said, I, I felt like a sense where I had to assimilate even right down to my physical appearance, even though my hair cared nothing about, you know, the cultural standards of the environment I was in and it was going to grow the way it was going to grow. So right now that I'm able to just sort of embrace that it's been liberating. I mean, it, it sounds trivial maybe if you haven't been through this journey, but I think, I mean, my wife went through this too. She did the big chop when she was going to, to natural hair yeah. and she was watching all these videos and she was doing all this stuff. And I was like, what, what, what's, what is this? And, and it was just like, literally she teared up just describing what it was like to just just be natural in in her own self. And I know what that's like. I, I did that when when my hair was longer and natural. And and now with the wave culture, there's a bonding element to it, right? Like you and I can even right. just talk just about brushes and, and products and and all this stuff. And so it, it it just goes deep down to the image of God and how we are particularly made <laughs> and and it doesn't fit all these eurocentric standards and that's not even just okay that's something to be celebrated because it's a beautiful part of diversity so i just really feel like it's helped me to know myself better and it's plugged me into a whole sort of culture a mini lifestyle around yeah. doing this you know and i'm not even good at it so i mean you can talk way more in detail
1: Nah man, I just I it was just something I, I got hip to because my barber made a suggestion and I started brushing and what actually spurred me on to keep doing it is because the young men in my youth group started doing it too oh, based upon seeing me do oh, wow. it. And so like we would literally get to church early. I would always be at church, you know, on like a, a night service that we would have. And it, we wouldn't do it on Sunday, but on, on night services, midweek services or or you know, weekend services outside of Sunday. We I would get there a little bit early, and we'd actually have like brush sessions. <laughs> like, so we just sit around and we just be brushing our hair, just talking. That's what's up. And it was a way to connect with them. Like, it sounds. And this is this is another thing. Like, yo, they don't teach you this in like a youth ministry book or what have you. Like, oh, we we'll connect with your kids by doing a brush session. But they would say like real stuff right. while we just sitting around right. in a circle, just brushing our hair, laughing and joking and clowning. Yeah, you know. So before a service starts. We just sit around and brush. And then, you know, if some of guys want to put their do-rag on, that's cool. But it was a way to connect with them because they were following me. And it was also really interesting because there's something about it that teaches you, you know, about how God created you and the uniqueness in which God created you. So there's even studies on how your hair grows, mm-hmm. like what type of porosity your hair is, like what's what what texture is your hair. And people are like, why do you spend time on that? Well, you know, you spend time on it because... It gives you a look into the uniqueness and the brilliance of God and how He created you. It's no different than going to the gym. It's no different than skincare. It's no different than eating healthy. It's just taking care of the body that God's given you. And it's funny because a lot of people, they're like, man, why do black people care so much about this stuff? Like, why do they care about their cultural attire? And I'm sometimes, I wonder, like, man, we care so much about external things. And it's been like something that people have used to shame our culture. Like, it Like, y'all spend so much money on jays. Y'all spend so much money on, you know, clothes. And y'all don't care about books and all this. And I'm just like, you know, people don't understand that taking care of your external body and taking care of the outside and especially your hair is just one way to reclaim the bodies that were stolen from us. Man. Like, so people don't get it. Like, the history of black culture in America is they rob us of our bodies. They rob us and they put us in chains. They rob us and they throw us in jail and they incarcerate us on a mass level. They rob us and they shoot us in the street. And so when people, the control of our bodies is one of the things that's a staple within our relationship as the Black community to a broader American context, and especially even in the church. They say, oh, well, you got to put a tie on. Oh, well, you can't wear this. You can't. Well, why are you wearing that? Why are you, why you got your hair like this? You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, you need to put on, you need to wear, you need to dress this way. You need to dress that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was wearing a three piece suit today. Okay, nothing wrong with okay. that. But I'm just saying like, it's not a requirement. And so there's control that the church has had. There's control that, that the country has had. And we're just reclaiming that. Yes. When we say, nah, we're going to do it ourselves and we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it in the way that best reflects our personality and it just tells us that blackness is not evil, blackness is not sinful, blackness is just an expression of the Imago Day. And so it's it's like when people ask that, I'm like, man, we just reclaiming the bodies that people around us have stolen and then policed. Mm. As that's though there's right. some intrinsically wrong with us. You that's know? right,
0: and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way in the workplace, or even in school, or even in church. If they if they go to a, a church that's a that's a got a predominantly different race than they are, they feel policed. Like you have to look a certain way, dress a certain way that conforms to the dominant culture, and that's just not true. That's not a way to celebrate the Imago Day in in other people. And there's a historical aspect to this, right? Like this is not something new for the 21st century. I mean, one of the obvious examples is during the Black Power Movement. It wasn't just Mm -hmm, an ideology or a political philosophy. There was actually an aesthetic that went to Black Power. And so why do people start wearing their hair in afros? It's that same thing that you were mentioning before. It is a way to reclaim their bodies. It is a way to reject the cultural policing of Black bodies to say, this is the way my hair looks naturally. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then it wasn't even just hair culture, right? Uh, The Black Panthers were famous for wearing turtlenecks and black leather jackets, which a lot of people who weren't even Black Panthers, they adopted. Uh, This this whole movement of the Black Power movement was really an Afrocentric movement. And so there was a lot of attention being paid back to the motherland, back to the continent of Africa. And so that's where you get people wearing kente cloth and different um, African styles and whatnot. Dashiki. And dashikis, you <laughs> of, know, course. of course. And that was a way, again, to reclaim Black bodies, to reject the policing of Black bodies that America has always done. And you can go all the way back to the Harlem Renaissance. You can look at music.
1: Yeah, suits, man, like... Yeah finger waving, like all that was just huge in the Harlem Renaissance, you know? And and so it's not as much even about, like it is about blackness, but it's not at the root about blackness per se, as much as it's about personhood. And so how do we as the church decolonize our discipleship enough to appreciate the personhood of every person who comes in? Every person who comes into are and this is this is a broader conversation because then you're talking about ability too. You're talking about ageism. Like there's all kinds of different things that relate to this. Like, you know, when someone comes in and they're a person who has a disability or a difference, like are you are you looking at them and judging them or ignoring them or are you creating a pathway for them to be seen and known and heard from, even within the context of a church? That's something that, I mean, the black church still has a long way. Yeah, to Yeah, no in, doubt. You know? No
0: doubt. Um
1: and but but also i mean you know we just have to we have to get to the place to where the church is is understanding recognizing everything is in vanity and it's another like it's just the the cultural norms of what is modesty like what is you know those cultural standards that have been infected just like manhood and womanhood by eurocentric ideas Is it really modesty, or is it just really cultural preference? (laughs) Like, is it really, is it really okay? Well, this is how you should dress biblically, or this is how we think you should dress because this is our cultural preference of how you should dress, and you know, it's not honoring the image of God in anyone if we're stripping them of their personhood.
0: And I think there's a there's an even um, sort of more human nature ideological aspect to it, which is that we fear conflict. And diversity inevitably brings conflict because you have people who are different and they think different, differently, oh, good, dress Ooh. differently, all that that's stuff. Good. So for a lot of churches and a lot of organizations, the way to get around that potential conflict is to ignore differences, to flatten them out, to enforce uniformity rather than unity within diversity. And so what that looks like on an ideological standpoint, is colorblindness. Well, I don't see color. We're all just the same. Well, actually, no, we're not. I mean, not only do we physically look different, but society has placed a value and a meaning and attached it to skin color. And that has come with a culture and a history that should not be ignored. That's not a virtue to be colorblind. I would rather you be color conscious and color sensitive, but not racist (laughs) like there's a way you can pay attention and and be cognizant of color without uh unnecessarily elevating or putting down anyone and i think
1: yeah i always say jamar just on that point like i don't want people to be colorblind or color-based but i want them to be color aware and color appreciate exactly like exactly just be aware and appreciative of those things. And, and
0: know what comes with it and listen to us. That was one of our other episodes. Like when when black people say they've experienced discrimination or racism, uh, listen, <laughs> you know, accept that, that that's been our reality. Uh, but what not to do, what 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 we should not do is pretend as if differences don't exist in a misguided attempt to avoid conflict. Because the conflict's gonna happen. The question is, how do you handle it? You know, how do you handle it at your church if nobody wears do rags and somebody comes in and they wear a do rag? How do you handle it? uh, You know, if somebody's pants are sagging or they're wearing a tee and not a shirt and tie, right? Um, Mm -hmm. those Those are the real constructive conversations because honestly, when I picture the multitudes of heaven, I'm picturing like every different culture, style, language, music, and it's beautiful. It's something to celebrate. So as we pray, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then how do we pursue that wonderful heavenly diversity right here and now?
1: Yo, I want to hear from the people. Like if you have enjoyed this episode or if this episode has sparked something in you, I'm just very curious. Like what's one cultural Thing. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be all just black people. I mean, it could be, you know, your cultural heritage comes from whatever country you're originally, your people are originally from. You know, what's one cultural heritage that you've been able to redeem or you've been able to participate in that makes you feel more human, you know, more like you've been created in the image of God? I'm just curious, man, because I think it's something we have to talk about. And I think it's something that we should share and exchange. And I think in that manner, there's a whole bunch of freedom that comes. It's okay to be who you are. And God doesn't look at who you are and think it's disgusting or think it's worth discarding or dismissing, but he looks at you and and sees the image of God, image and likeness of him reflected back. And so that's a beautiful thing, man. And I hope you guys have enjoyed us taking you to the barbershop, man, (laughs) and being real, being honest. Again, we can't take you to the beauty salon I got some stories about the beauty Uh, salon, but I'm not going to share uh, them. We're not going to get in that Nah, because my mom dragged me to the beauty (laughs) salon when I was a kid. I've been there too. So I got some stories. Now, I got some stories for real, but, uh, you know, we're going to leave that to the ladies. So y'all keep waving. Keep doing what you do. Jamar, keep waving, bro. Keep brushing. Go brush right now.
0: That's it. Got you.